Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the witch's wheel of the year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight sabbats. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Hey everybody, happy summer, happy Letha season. I hope that it uh, has been fantastic for you so far. We're only a few days in, but um, you know, here we go, right? Uh, It's been all just super cheery uh, here on Earth since summer has kicked in, pretty much. It's been fine. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We're going to talk about, you know, the things that humans are doing a little bit this week but and also um well you know how it goes (laughs) and if it's your first time here you're gonna find out how it goes (laughs) all right um to get us oriented here in the stuff uh this is letha season new moon in cancer lunar week 21 um I will be uploading some of my Letha lectures that I've done this year so far um, because I've done a couple of them this year and in a bunch of different places. Uh, I was incredibly fortunate to be able to teach this class at Letha Cascadia, which is an incredible music festival, five-day music festival that's held out at uh, Red Hawk Avalon here in Washington State. We had an incredible time. beautiful people, uh, entirely outdoor festival, which is the only reason why I felt like it was even remotely safe for me to go. I tested as soon as I got back and I am negative. Um, but, uh, we just had a wonderful time and, uh, and to be able to give this lecture there was very special for me on a personal level. I have performed in my band, Thunder Gray Pilgrim, at that festival a few times and it's just a very special place. Um, it's a lot of freaks and weirdos and metalheads <laughs> and goth kids getting together and freaking out in the woods. Um, it's just a beautiful piece of land. The people that take care of it are very reverent of the, the land and the water sources and the plants and the animals that are there. And um, it's really fun and cool to be surrounded by a bunch of uh, pagans or pagan sympathetic people, um, while at a music festival, having a good time. So to be able to present this material there was really special to me. And also I got a lot of really, um, wonderful, uh, feedback. Um, you know, it's moments like that, that kind of confirm, like I'm on the path and, uh, some people think I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. So, cool. Um, this might be your first podcast, uh, after seeing me at that lecture. So thanks for hanging out with me, uh, bright and early at 10 AM on a Sunday morning at the the music festival. (laughs) Yet we still had, you know, 40, 45 people show up and it was really wonderful. Um, it was filmed by my friend Ryan Allred, uh, who create, 
who created the wheel design that I use on the covers of all of the books and um, the uh, in the classes when I show the wheel design. Um, and so, like I said, some portions are going to get uploaded. I'm probably going to upload a portion here uh, through the podcast. Um, but the other version of the Letha class that I taught uh, was supposed to happen on YouTube, but technical shenanigans uh, kind of overrode my plans. And so I ended up teaching that class as a Zoom meeting. Uh, that was available for everyone. Um, but the recording for now is only up for patrons. There was a nice, you know, question and answer section at the end, something that I may um, try to do more of going forward. Uh, I really like this um, particular format, but, you know, we'll talk about that more when we get into, uh, get closer to the next class. Um, so if you are really wanting to watch a good old fashioned, uh, all the way straight through, give me all the information, Letha class, my 2021 class is up on my YouTube channel, uh, Megan Angus, and, um, is totally free. And if you want the book, uh, for that class, for this year's stuff, the calendar that this podcast comes out of and all of the other supplementary material, you can subscribe to my Patreon, uh, Patreon at the Venus level, which is $9 or higher and get access to all of that good stuff. Um, speaking of which, uh, this week we also have tarot circle. That's going to be Wednesday, the 29th at 6 PM Pacific standard time. And we are going to be talking about water in the tarot. This is uh, available for all patrons. Um, Patreon starts at a buck and the recording will be available for everyone subbed at the Venus level or higher. Um, that gets you access to the Patreon Dropbox, which contains all of the past tarot circles, the class materials, workbooks, the calendars for the wheel of the year classes, and so much more. Um, if you're like, man, I didn't hear about any of this stuff. What are you talking about? head to my website and sign up for my irregular newsletter. I do try to, <laughs> to let people know what's going on. Um, and if you're like, I know about all that stuff and I've checked out all of it, but what does it mean for me? Uh, book a tarot reading with me, book an astrology reading with me. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's magic it out. Um, side note to that big shout out to all of the folks who have been working with me lately. Um, thank you so much for trusting me with your process. It is really an honor um, to be invited into those spaces and to work with you as you come into your badassery and attempt to navigate this wild ass world that we are living in. So thank you very much. Um, to support this podcast and all the work that I do, join my Patreon. Thanks to my patrons. Uh, you can leave a rating or a review on the podcast service where you listen to this. Um, and one of the most potent things that, that you can do is share this podcast and share my work with your friends, um, coworkers, your loved ones. Um, if you feel like they need a good jolt, <laughs> send them my way. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what are we doing? here at Letha season. Let's talk about it. Our witches work here in Letha season is focused on concepts like power, transformation, healing, 
fertility and undergirding all of that stuff, determination. Again, we talked about this a lot in the Letha class last year and this year and every year that I've taught it, uh, which seems like decades at times. <laughs> um, and on the global level, we are looking at stuff like partnership, life and vitality, abundance, light and warmth during this quarter holiday. Uh, and yeah, those types of things that are going to come up over and over again, especially here in this first month of summer, as we move through Letha season, we're going to see a lot of uh, emphasis on these ideas. Okay, let's get into the week. Our lunar week starts June 28th, which is a Tuesday and it begins with a new moon in Cancer at 7 degrees at 7.52 p.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day, or the next day, basically, for everybody else around the planet. This new moon is square to Jupiter in Aries. And this new moon is the sixth moon since the Asian Lunar New Year began. Um, I pick the Asian year... Uh, kind of arbitrarily, to be very honest. Um, I just as easy, just as easily could follow uh, the Hindu lunar calendar or the Jewish lunar calendar or any of the other lunar calendars that are still completely functional, totally in use by billions of people around the planet. Um, uh, and I may next year <laughs> or later this year, even I may reorient us to a new calendar because as uh, lots of things that I do, this is kind of an ongoing experiment. <laughs> um, but just know that, you know, cool. It's the sixth moon. Awesome. But only by some accounts. Uh, it's the first new moon by several different calendars. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Okay. So what are we doing with this moon? Well, first off, we have a new moon, right? And we know that in our um, metaphor that we work with for the lunar phases, the new moon equates to a seed or a start. Um, new moons give us an opportunity to open up a new process or come back around to restart a process that maybe we left off a while ago. And it's time for us to get back into it and start working on that thing again. Um, but new moons begin stuff. They start things. They open stuff up. They reorient us into the new cycle. And uh, in particular, um, this is a new moon in Cancer. And this is really calling us into a process of examining our relationships, especially those relationships where a lot of nurturing is involved. Uh, also, uh, this brings us to or back to a process of connecting or reconnecting with people or ideas um, or places or genders or whatever that share a sameness with us. Okay, let's talk about this stuff for a second. When I talk about nurturing, um, that's a word that can have a lot of baggage, especially to in today's politics. And boy, is it going to come up a lot this week with our symbolism. Um, but nurturing goes both ways, right? 
we nurture and we can be nurtured. So in this lunar cycle, I'm encouraging you to come back to come to or come back to an examination of this word. What does this word nurture mean for you? Um, who are the people who have nurtured you in this lifetime? Uh, and who are the people that you nurture? Um, what are the things that you nurture? What are the projects that you are, you know, cradling and holding, right? Um, all of that stuff is what the Cancer Moon cycle wants us to think about, but really feel about. Because if there's anything with a Cancer Moon, it is an emo moon. It is all about the emotions, our emotional health, our emotional state. Um, and again, <laughs> life is a little fraught in North America currently. <laughs> so, um, you know, this could feel like a, oh boy, kind of a moon, right? Right from the get-go. Then, you know, thinking about it as well, it's, it's square to Jupiter. And a square from Jupiter is not a bad thing. It, generally speaking, when it comes to the moon, it's okay. But what it can do is it can exaggerate whatever is already going on for us. Um, and so if we are having a particularly hard time emotionally dealing with what's going on, Jupiter can make our feelings feel bigger. Um, or the thing that we are having a lot of feelings around can feel bigger. Uh, we also know, we talk about this a lot here, that lunar transits are quick, right? They last for a few hours at most. But I like to think about the um, aspects that the moon is making when it hits these pivotal points, these degrees where we're looking at the actual phase of the moon and thinking about is the moon having a conversation with any of the other planets that might indicate a place in the pattern where, you know, we're going to have some extra emphasis on this thing, even though the transit itself is only going to last a few hours, it might echo for a few days or even perhaps the entirety of the lunar cycle. So um, big feels, big, big feels when it comes to Jupiter and the moon. Generally speaking, though, it's positive. Um, and we know that there is a benefit for us uh, to have things brought up close so we can examine the details, right? We can look at the fine print. We can see the little things that might otherwise get passed up when Jupiter brings the magnifying glass into the into the conversation things that we might have just whooshed right over suddenly become nice and big and obvious to us and in general these planets are trying to help us with that process if there's anything to really kind of pay attention to with that or be careful with um watch for your inflated opinions watch for other people's inflated opinions again like i said the symbolism this week is going to be a little ham-fisted. <laughs> um, and watch your spending. Um, when when Jupiter is really feeling itself, it definitely thinks that it can afford anything. So um, just, just be aware. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of groups um, in our country right now that need financial support um, for a wide variety of reasons, right? The, um, the abortion topic is just one. Uh, of many different um, groups of people that that need financial support right now. And also, you still have to be able to pay your bills and 
pay your rent and take care of yourself. So don't empty your coffers. Give what you can give, but give what you can give. You get me? Okay. Uh, with our moon in Cancer, any kind of expansive magic is super, super supportive um, and supported, I should say. And what I mean by expansion magic is magic that we are trying to make a thing happen in the world, make a thing be in the world versus contraction magic, we might say, or constrictive magic where that would be like we're binding things or we're trying to reduce things or, or take things down. So this is a fantastic moon for generating support around stuff, for creating protective barriers around things. Um, uh, for adding fuel to fires that we think are that should be burning. Um, this is an excellent moon for building up that type of stuff, increasing. So prosperity magic, protection magic, power magic, any of those types of things where we're wanting more of something, this moon is very, very supportive of all of that stuff. Especially, especially things that have to do with parents, parenting, <laughs> um, nostalgia and the past, um, and our home and home is a concept, right? It's the place where we feel safe and comfortable, but home is also the place where we keep our stuff. And then home is also the, the, the place where we live, you know, the, the actual community that we're in or the city that we live in our neighborhood, our, our state, our country, all of that stuff. So cancer really wants to focus on a lot of that stuff. And the new moon is like, yep, let's start that conversation up or let's start that conversation up again. For our lunar body work with a new moon in cancer, we are awakening, activating, adorning, stimulating, and preparing for action, the breasts, the chest, the belly, and the lungs. And for our plant body work, we are planting, transplanting, or grafting annual flowers and fruits and veg that bear crops above ground, like beans, corn, tomatoes, watermelon, zucchini, etc., 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 the astrology of this day is pretty chill. Uh, we have Venus in Gemini, sextile Jupiter in Aries at seven degrees. So while Jupiter is having this conversation with the moon hanging out in Cancer, Venus is having a conversation with Jupiter. The moon and Venus are one sign apart, so they can't really see each other is what how some uh, astrologers would describe that. So the moon and Venus are not necessarily talking to each other. But we could say that Venus is talking to the moon or the moon is talking to Venus through Jupiter. And Venus and Jupiter love hanging out with each other. Um, this energy can be very playful. It's very clever. It's very cute. It's very attractive. We might be feeling super cute on this day, which God us bless. <laughs> Let's have a moment, right? Where we just kind of feel like everything is fine. Um, again, let me emphasize when Venus and Jupiter get together and they are feeling themselves, we absolutely can feel like we can afford anything financially and sometimes otherwise. Um, so just, you know, mind your wallet on this day, whether that's financial wallet or an energetic wallet or an emotional wallet, just be aware of how much you're spending. Not saying don't, just saying be aware.
Okay. Um, what do we have for holy days on this day? We have some pretty goddamn auspicious stuff happening on June 28th, if I do say so myself. Uh, from our ancient Egyptian friends and ancestors, running from approximately June 28th to July 12th, we have the Festival of the Beautiful Reunion. So this is dedicated to the Egyptian goddess Hathor and the god Horus. Um, this festival took place over 14 days in the month of Epiphi, which is approximately now. Uh, Hathor's cult image from Dendera was carried by boat to several temple sites along the Nile to visit the gods in those temples. The end point of the journey was the Temple of Horus at Edfu, uh, and we will talk about this temple in fall as well. Um, but the end point was the uh, Temple of Horus at Edfu, where the Hathor statue from Dendera would meet that of Horus of Edfu, and the two were placed together. On one day of the festival, these images were carried out to a shrine where primordial deities such as the sun god and the Ennead were said to be buried. The texts say this divine couple performed offering rites for these entombed gods. Many Egyptologists regard this festival as another celebration of the return of the distant goddess, but also a ritual marriage between Horus and Hathor, and also a rejuvenation of buried creator gods. Now, what's cool about this is that the birth of Horus and Hathor's son, Aihi, was celebrated at Dendera nine months later. So it implies that the Festival of the Beautiful Reunion is about Hathor's visit to Horus and represents Ihi's conception, or the sacred marriage, or as I like to refer to it, the sacred knocking of boots. Um, and we know that sacred marriages are one of the central images that we work with at Letha season. It starts at Beltane, runs through Letha and into Lunasa, Lunasad, or Lamas season. Also on this day, from our gay and trans and bisexual and queer and lesbian friends and ancestors, we have the beautiful moment known as the Stonewall Riots. The Stonewall Riots, also known as the Stonewall Uprising, Stonewall Rebellion, or simply Stonewall, were a series of spontaneous protests by members of the gay community in response to a police raid that began in the early morning hours of June 28, 1969, at the Stonewall Inn in the Greenwich Village neighborhood of Lower Manhattan in New York City. Patrons of the Stonewall, other village lesbian and gay bars, and neighborhood street people fought back when the cops became violent. The riots were widely considered the watershed event that transformed the gay liberation movement and the 20th century fight for LGBTQIA and two-spirit people in the United States. Goddess bless. Also on this day, we have from our Catholic friends and ancestors, the Feast of St. Vitus. Not going to get into it today. You can go look them up yourself. <laughs> All right, let's move on to June 29th. June 29th, this is a Wednesday, and our waxing moon is still hanging out in Cancer, so we are still doing all of that work. Uh, we have no astrology of note for this day, so let's just get into what the heck is going on. Uh, quick reminder, 
June 29th, Wednesday is Tarot Circle. We will be discussing water in the tarot because we've just entered Cancer, our first water sign of the witchcraft year, <laughs> as it were. Um, we'll be talking about uh, the major arcana cards that are dedicated to water, like the High Priestess, the Moon, the Hanged One, the Chariot, uh, which connects us to Cancer, um, and the Suit of Cups, and more. Uh, please join us. Uh, Terror Circle is available to all patrons. Um, also on this day, uh, from our Zoroastrian friends and ancestors running from June 29th to July 3rd, we have the celebration of Harvatat. Harvatat is the divinity um, that means uh, like a concept of wholeness or perfection. But Harvatat specifically was the Amesha Spenta or the deity associated with water, prosperity, and health. And so as we move further into cancer season, we're going to see lots and lots and lots of water deities, oceanic deities, deities connected to wells, cauldrons, etc., etc. Um, and as we see in our next holiday, New Year's, uh, from our Norse friends and ancestors, we have the runic New Year. Um, not really much to say about that. It's just the Nordic New Year, <laughs> as, as it were. Uh, from our East Anglican friends and ancestors, we have Herb Harvesting Day, and this sits very nicely with our uh, pagan traditions as well, of Letha season being the most potent time to ethically harvest uh, the herbs and the plant helpers that we are going to want to work with for the rest of the year and into next year. The sun being at the height of its energetic power and literally at the height of the sky here in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, uh, this is the very best time to be scooping up those plants. Again, ethical harvesting. Please don't, don't make me come for you. Uh, from our Santeria friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of Ogun. Now in Santeria, uh, Ogun is syncretized with St. Peter, James the Great, St. Paul, and most interesting, perhaps, John the Baptist, uh, whose holy day was June 24th. Uh, Ogun is the deity of war and metals. Ogun was a warrior and a powerful spirit of metalworking, as well as rum and rum making. The primary symbols of Ogun are iron, the dog, and the palm frond. They symbolize Ogun's role in transformation, mediation, and function or action. Iron is the primary emblem of Ogun, and Ogun's personality is often described as dog-like, aggressive, able to face danger, and straightforward. And boy howdy, do we talk about dogs a lot this week. So very interesting that we're just kicking it off right at the beginning with a deity that is described as dog-like. You know, as we like to say here on the podcast, I am sure it's just a coincidence. <laughs> All right, let's move on to June 30th. June 30th is a Thursday and our waxing moon enters Leo at about 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So later in the day for everybody else here in North America and really kind of the next day for everybody else around the world. Um uh, I'm, we have a lot to talk about in terms of holy days for this day. So I'm going to talk about what we're doing with this 
uh, moon in Leo on the following day. So we'll get to it in just a second. <laughs> Leave space wherever you're taking notes for what it is that we're doing with the Leo moon. We'll come back to it. But let me say this. Um, no, no, no. I'm not going to say that. We're going to come back to it. Um, okay. We have no astrology of note for June 30th. So let me get directly into the holy days because my gosh, there's a lot. First off, we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Alhenna. Now, this star is often called the bright foot of Gemini. Yes, we are still passing through the stars connected to the constellation of Gemini in sidereal astrology, Vedic folk that are out there. Um, they know what's up. Um, here in Western tradition of astrology, um, we are technically 2000 years behind. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, but we are kind of stuck in the wheel of the sky where Greeks and Romans saw it, AKA basically when the Catholic church started, they kind of just decided the sky doesn't move. Um, they're wrong. Of course it does. Uh, and all these other groups have managed to keep up with it, <laughs> but our Western astrology is stuck in, in that paradigm. And, and interestingly enough, it still works for us, but I digress. Um, uh, according to some historians, the name of this star means the hurt or wounded or afflicted foot. Um, it's also been called the wound in the tendon of Achilles. Um, but it also can mean an identifying mark on a horse or a camel made with tar paint, which is kind of an odd aside, but we've already talked about how horses are connected to Gemini and how camel is obliquely connected to cancer. Um, camels were often referred to as the ships of the desert and, um, you know, that whole thing, right? Okay. An earlier name of this star was Almizan, one who marches proudly, but this was dropped. A lot of different stars are called this. Uh, nonetheless, it seems right for a prominent star in the feet of the twins, right? Popular astrology has associated this star especially with accidents to the feet. So watch where you're stepping, literally and figuratively. Uh, I'm going to say this a couple of different times <laughs> in this week, but um, just like I was saying around the full moon, this is absolutely a week to pick your battles. Uh, and this fixed star, in my opinion, is sort of an indication of like, watch where you're stepping. Watch what you're stepping into or what you're getting your feet into. Watch what you're walking through literally and figuratively. Okay. Um, moving into the other holy days on this day, we have the Devshayani Ekadashi from our Hindu friends and ancestors. Now, if you remember two weeks ago, I talked about the lunar mansions very, very briefly. It's uh, not something that I have a lot of knowledge on or expertise with. And so I hesitate to talk about it at any length. Um, but, uh, the, there are two of these Ekadashis that happen each month for, for Hindus, uh, one for the new moon and one for the full moon. And uh, this is the one for the new moon. And this really kicks off a season called Chatramas, which is the holy four-month period of the rainy season, the monsoon season that sort of blows through India and Southeast Asia. So it brings a lot of uh, rain 
that is very necessary, but it can also cause a lot of flooding and a lot of death and a lot of uh, catastrophe, especially as climate change becomes more and more extreme around the planet. From our Roman friends and ancestors, uh, now we're going to get into some gnarly shit. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> From our, actually, let me say this first before we get into that. Um, because we have a new moon, we have the beginnings of our Greek month and our Roman month from ancient times. So from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the Hecatombion. Uh, this is the new year in ancient Athens. Began at sunset just after midsummer with the first sighting of the new or crescent moon after the summer solstice. So here again, we have a loony solar uh, rhythm here, right? It's the first new moon after we've had the summer solstice. And that's in fact what this is. So it's kicking off the month of Hecatombeon. For our Greek, or excuse me, for our Roman friends and ancestors, it's Calende Quintilis. Um, and this is directly from Wikipedia. So I'm just going to read straight out of it. In the ancient Roman calendar, Quintilis was the month following Junius, June, and preceding Sextilis, August. Quintilis is Latin for fifth because this was the fifth month in the earliest calendars attributed to Romulus, one of the founders of Rome, which began with Martius or Mars's month, aka March. Uh, this is a big piece of the magical rhythm that a lot of modern pagans still work with where we think of the year beginning, as it were, in spring or with the vernal equinox, which is in March. Um, but their calendar also only had 10 months. <laughs> so after the calendar was reformed uh, into a 12-month calendar, Quintilis became the seventh month, but it retained its name. And then at some point, it was the name of it was ultimately changed um, to Julius in honor of Julius Caesar, a.k.a. July. Uh, Quintilis was under the guardianship or tutele of the Romans' supreme deity, Jupiter, with sacrifices made uh, particularly to Neptune and Apollo. So a sea deity, an oceanic deity, and a solar deity. And again, boy howdy, do we see a lot of emphasis on the sun and the ocean. The sun and the ocean at the same time. Fire and water at the same time. Agricultural festivals directed at the harvest gradually lost their importance, and the month became dominated in urban imperial Rome by the Ludi Apollinaires, which we'll talk about at the end of the podcast, which uh, were games in honor of Apollo. Um, okay, so that being said, uh, yes, the Athenian Greek New Year starts at this time, and it's important to note that we're talking about the Athenian Greek New Year. In ancient Greece, uh, and to a slightly lesser extent, Rome, or ancient Rome, um, but in ancient Greece, the cities ran shit one way, and then the people that lived out in the fields ran stuff in a totally different way, and both of these cultures had multiple calendars that they were following simultaneously. So there was the calendar that dictated festivals, and then there was the calendar that dictated political actions, and there was the calendar that dictated, like, farming moves and, and uh, you know, merchant stuff and all this stuff. So sometimes they would line up, and a lot of times they didn't. Um, but it was New Year's for uh, 
Athens. It wasn't necessarily New Year's for the other city-states in Greece or the people that were living out in the farmlands, um, the outback, as it were. Um, so uh, all of that stuff. Okay, now let's get to this. From our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of a temple to Felicitas. Now, the Dies Natalis um, or Dies Natalis uh, this was the day of birth for a temple. Um, it would be a day that the temple was dedicated or the temple might be like stripped and cleaned and refurbished or whatever. But who or what is Felicitas? Well, Felicitas uh, comes from the Latin adjective Felix, which means fruitful or blessed or happy or lucky. The ability to promote Felicitas became proof of one's excellence and divine favor. And that theme is something that we are going to deal with later in the week. So we already know that this is going on from the past in our holidays. And now we also have astrology this week that is um, pointing to this work as well. But Felicitas was simultaneously a divine gift, a quality that resided within an individual, and a contagious capacity for generating productive conditions outside oneself. It was a form of charismatic authority. Now, one of the ancient Roman uh, historians lists Felicitas as one of the four virtues of exemplary gen of, of the exemplary general, along with knowledge of military science, virtue, which meant kind of, or virtus, which meant both valor and virtue, and uh, authority. Um, but specifically, Felicitas speaks to the blessings of being fruitful, a.k.a. fertile, a.k.a. Um, having the capacity to get pregnant and, and carry a child. <sighs> Let's move on to June, July 1st, shall we? Okay. And I'm sure some of you are like, why does she go so hard on the Roman holidays? One, and I've talked about this before, and I'll, I'll talk about it again. I'm not particularly fond of, <laughs> of that stuff. Um, I'm very aware of how influential Greek and Roman deities and myth and archetypal symbolism has been on modern paganism. It's really, really important to understand where our stuff comes from, because modern pagans practice uh, a religion or a spiritual belief or practice how you know however you want to phrase that for yourself um that's really kind of cobbled together out of a lot of stuff from the past and it's really important to understand like what's in the soup right what is in the stew what are we eating <laughs> as as uh uh you know william burroughs asks naked lunch right what's on the end of your fork um but also because um I genuinely believe that Christofascists in our country, whether they realize this or not, are attempting to resurrect, you know, the, the Roman church paradigm, the Roman Catholic church paradigm, which is embedded in all of this stuff. And it just boggles my mind and confirms a lot of opinions <laughs> for me um, when I see our modern events in this country line up with these holidays and these festivals from 3000 years ago, 2000 years ago. Um, it's almost like it's on purpose, 
but I'm, you know, a weirdo and I believe a lot of strange things. So <laughs> don't, don't ever forget. I'm a crazy lady on the internet yelling. Uh, so always check my references, but also, isn't it weird how these things are like, so, um, like similar. Okay. July 1st is a Friday <laughs> and we still have our waxing moon hanging out in Leo. Again, I'm going to talk about what we're doing with this Leo energy and just, uh, on the next day, July 2nd. Um, so save space in your notebook if you are in fact taking notes. Um, so I'm just going to move directly to the, uh, astrology of this day and it's spicy. Uh, we have on July 1st, Friday, Mars in Aries square Pluto retrograde in Capricorn at 27 degrees. Now, what are our words for working with Mars square Pluto? Conflict, struggle, ego, power, fun stuff, right? Given how peaceful and banal it is in the United States right now, who isn't excited to see that combination of words, huh? Okay. So, what are we doing with this? Um, the, the, the way that this could play out. And of course we know with the astrology that it can be very personal. It could be something that we witness in the people around us, our coworkers, our loved ones, our neighbors, or it could be something that we see symbolically or archetypally playing out in the world. When we have Mars squaring Pluto, we are talking about facing intense power struggles and getting mixed up in really intense power dynamics. Um, on the positive, it is a fantastic day for working towards transforming the world around you. It is a great time to think about where your passions align with the systemic challenges that face you and the changes that, the, that are needed in the world. There are lots of awesome opportunities to get into giant arguments. Um, so, you know, if you're present with yourself and you're with a person that you feel like you can be safe arguing with, this might be a really amazing day for having a super intense conversation that ultimately provides opportunities for transformation and change. Okay. But also uh, conflict struggle. Right. Um, and, and so those giant arguments could be really funky. Uh, we might otherwise be faced with conflict power dynamics. As I've already said, as I said, two weeks ago with the full moon, this astrology very, very much, uh, underscores that idea of picking your battles. Mars in Aries feels very, very righteous. Mars rules Aries. And so Mars is like, of course I'm right. I'm absolutely right. I'm not only right, I'm righteous. And that is a pretty funky attitude to have. Uh, and Pluto, as we have seen for the last 20 years, is very comfortable in Capricorn and also feels very right in its attitude and in its behaviors in Capricorn. The plutocracy believes that it is supposed to be as plutocratic as it is. Mars in Aries believes that it is meant to be the fiery, abrasive warrior that it is. So both of these power dynamics are like, I'm supposed to be doing this. 
I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely right in my stance, in my way of thinking, in my behavior, all of that stuff. Uh, they both can be ruthless. They both can be very violent just to use very plain language. And you know me, I don't like to use super doom and gloom uh, vocabulary when I'm talking about astrology because we have free will. There's, you know, generally almost always a silver lining to whatever it is that we're dealing with. But this is one of those times where the astrology is pointing to a place in the pattern where like, if you don't have to get involved, don't pick your fucking battles. Again, I don't want to be super negative, but you know, the US is unhinged right now. Like it's extremely wild on the streets right now. So if you are out, if you're with your people, you're at an event, you're doing a thing and something feels off, grab your people and get the fuck out. Skip that shit, split, go home, have a nice time in the kitchen. Um, there, you know, live to fight another day right? Because uh, that martyrdom shit, you only get one shot at it. And then we all move on collectively, pretty much unaffected. So um, we know that dying for the cause is not really too effective in this timeline currently. Uh, so don't. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Just if, if something feels weird, get out. Um, lived, live to, to battle another day. Okay. Uh, our one holy day that we have on this day is Puri Yatha, Ratha Yatra from our Hindu friends and ancestors. This runs from July 1st to July 9th. And this is a public procession with chariots, huge, huge chariots. Um, specifically, this uh, Ratha Yatra uh, celebrates the deities Jagannath, who gives us the word Jagannath. Uh, this is an avatar of Vishnu. Um, Balabhadra, who is his brother, and Sabhadra, his sister. Um, there is also a chariot for the Sudarshana Chakra, which is um, a Vishnu's weapon. Um, and the chariots are shaped like Hindu temples. And when I say big, they're massive. <laughs> they're crazy big. Um, and this is a, a celebration, a holiday that was only celebrated in a, in different parts of India for the longest time. But as uh, the Hare Krishna religion has become uh, more widespread around the world, this celebration is happening in more and more places. Why I bring it up every year is because it's gigantic chariots in the season of cancer. And what is the uh, tarot card connected to cancer? The chariot. So, you know, also... Where is the sun pulled across the sky in a chariot? You know, it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> with the symbolism, guys, any subtlety? No, none at all. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to July 2nd. But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast, um, partly because I don't want to and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um, 
You can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5, even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever. Or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on earth right now. It's too expensive for everything. Um, tell a friend, share it on social media, uh, give it a thumbs up. If you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review. All right. That's the end of the ad. Let's get back to the podcast. July 2nd is a Saturday. Thank God we made it to the weekend. <laughs> Good job, everybody. Um, and this brings us to our waxing crescent moon in Leo at 26 degrees at 10, 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Basically the next day for everybody else around the planet that isn't on the West Coast. Um, and... When we are working with this crescent moon in Leo, let me look at my notes. What did I write? Clown shit. All right. <laughs> um, this is a moon that, you know, Raven Caldera, who I talk about all the time in Moon Phase Astrology, love this book. Um, it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn good. Um, talks about this being a moon where we think about being the class clown, or maybe we step into the role of being a clown for other people and bringing some humor into our life and all of that stuff. So let me just say on that level, if you're like, I don't want to do, uh, I, I just want an easy day. These days that the moon is in, um, Leo are some days where you could just enjoy some jokes, right? Watch some comedy or watch some funny movies or stand up comedians or whatever, like, you know, have a little escape moment, life on earth is rough right now. And you know me, I highly recommend putting yourself in timeout when you are uh, all full up on the bullshit. And so uh, we need to be really proactive about giving ourselves little mental and emotional vacations right now. We have to come back from vacation, but we need to be taking those little breaks from reality right now because it's a lot. Um, so if if that's how you would like to work with these moons, these days, while the moon is in Leo, perfectly fine. If you want to push a little further into what could we do with that, let me say this. Um, these days, while the moon is hanging out in Leo, are a really fantastic time to work with humor as relief, as I just said. Um, but understanding where also we use humor and joking as a means of defense, as a means of rebuffing things in the world and, and sending stuff back, right? Like, haha, no, I'm not having any of that. Thank you. Um, but, and humor is also one of the places historically where people have had an opportunity to speak truth to power. 
And we know that there is an incredible potent energy behind trickery, behind foolishness, jokes, pranks, all of that great stuff. There is a massive history in our country and around the world of political action as prank, political action as joke, or, you know, the pie in the face kind of moment of the politician where, you know, like somebody just threw a cake at the Mona Lisa the other day, right? As a means of demonstrating and calling attention to climate change. And some people would be like, why? That's ridiculous. What do those two things have to do with each other? They don't necessarily have anything to do with each other. It's the symbolic action. Don't worry, the painting's fine. Of course, it's covered in like, you know, glass or whatever. Nothing can get on that painting. But, um, but I think that these three days, if you want to do that kind of work, if you want to think about that, maybe these are three days where you could make some great memes, right? And send that message out into the world. Um, but thinking about other people who have spoken truth to power through jokes. Now, there's a lot of images of um, of old George Carlin uh, bits sort of floating around the internet right now because he was so vocally pro-abortion. Um, and... Uh, and, you know, honoring people that do that work and and thinking about where we might also do that work. Where is it right for us to do that work? Um, is that an avenue where we can express ourselves in a safe way that doesn't feel too caustic or too aggressive or, or combative, right? Um, joking about things, clowning around about things sometimes is the way that we can get in touch with our fear, our anger, um, our insecurities, uh, in a way that feels a little safer to us. So that stuff is what, um, is coming up for us potentially with this, uh, these couple of days, these three days of, of the moon hanging out in Leo. And again, if you want to just throw some rom-coms on and fold laundry, that's fine too. When we are working with our waxing crescent moon in Leo for our lunar body, we are awakening, activating, stimulating, preparing for action, and adorning the back, the heart, our circulation, and our blood. Um, and of course, as I always say every week, I am not a doctor of the physical body. I am a doctor of the cosmos, of time and space, um, AKA do not trust me for your health advice. I don't know what I'm talking about. Go work with your trusted health advisor. If you are wanting to integrate any of this information into your health regimen. Um, and as I say, every week we can always work with the metaphor. We do not have to work with this information through the physical body. We can work with it through the intellectual body, the emotional body, the spiritual body, what have you. Um, so is there something on your heart, right? Is there something on your back, right? Uh, do you feel like you are not circulating and, and you're stagnant? Does, does your blood need some fortifying? Um, that type of stuff. For our plant body work, we are harvesting, we're doing pest control, disease control, we're plowing, we're weeding, we're aerating the soil, and we are pruning all to support and stimulate above ground growth. And as I said before, um, all of Letha season is the most holy time and most potent time for ethically harvesting the plants that we are going to want to work with all year long. Um, and so uh, this day or these days of Leo moon are 
very, very potent days for doing our harvesting. Okay, let's get into the astrology of this day, shall we? Okay, the astrology for this day, part one. We have Mercury in Gemini, trine, Saturn retrograde in Aquarius at 24 degrees. And part two, we have Mercury in Gemini, square Neptune retrograde in Pisces at 25 degrees. Okay, so in other words, we've got Mercury hanging out in Gemini, having a trine type conversation with Saturn retrograde and a square type conversation with Neptune retrograde. Um, so generally speaking, Mercury trine Saturn promotes serious thinking. Um, it's a, generally a really good time for focusing on important practical matters, getting organized, getting focused, but, and Mercury square Neptune can really confuse things. Um, we can miss communications that are really important. Uh, we may want to daydream, but our daydreaming like becomes too idyllic, you know? And so then we're sort of focused on like, oh, wow, that's the fantasy I wish I could have, but I can't get it. I could never have that. Um, there can be, this can be a day of secrets. This can be a day of really foggy thinking. Um, on the surface, it feels like a good day for doing spiritual work or magical work. But once we get into it, it can get, again, really confusing and cloudy and funky. Um, so let me say this. It is not a good day for trying to do some kind of negotiation. It's not a good day for like signing a contract, um, all of that kind of stuff. But uh, the the Saturn transit, the, the Mercury trine Saturn transit comes first and it comes early in the day. And so, I mean, technically it's like four o'clock in the morning here for us on, on the West Coast. It'll be, you know, <laughs> hours later for everybody else. But um, if there's something that you need to be focused on, that you need to get done, practical, real world stuff, get it done early in the day. And then stay off the freaking internet. In fact, in my notes, I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but in my notes from June 29th through July 2nd is a really great time to take a media break in general. And part of it is this thing where, um, you know, we say secrets and like, oh, maybe some secret will be revealed. No, it's probably that something is going to become secret <laughs> or that um, there's going to be a lot of disinformation and misinformation put out on the internet during these days toward whatever freaking agenda, right? Um, so those days, if you haven't taken a media diet in a while, you might, if you haven't taken a media break in a while from the 29th of June through the 2nd of July, it might be a really fantastic time to just kind of be like, hmm, internet, I'll be back. Uh, you know, all of that awful shit uh, that we doom scroll every morning as soon as we wake up, all that awful shit will be right there where we left it when we get back. <laughs> don't worry you're not gonna miss out on any of the awful crap happening on earth <laughs> but it might just be really good for your spirit for your emotional health for your mental health to just take a break um and on this day in particular july 2nd like i said if you've got some practical stuff that you need to stay focused on and get done try to get it done early in the day the later it gets 
the more confusion, the more foggy, the more weird, nebulous, and funky stuff starts to get. Okay. The only other thing happening on this day from our pagan friends and ancestors from our modern wheel of the year calendars that we see around uh, the internet. If you're new here, this is something that we talk about a lot on the podcast. Um, we have from our pagan friends and ancestors, sorry, <laughs> it's kind of a bizarre way of saying this. Um, we have <clears throat> the feast of expectant mothers. <laughs> now, we will see why here in a bit as we talk about more of our Roman holidays happening this week. Um, but we've already had the Felicitas thing, right? It's just going to get uh, thicker as we go. But um, over the last 20 years or so, interest in the practice or the, the, the body of information that has become known as the wheel of the year has increased multifold. Um, I love how many people are into this and think it's cool and want to know more and want to integrate this information into their life. Uh, and on a lot of the uh, modern calendars that we see around the internet, we have um, we have holidays that are kind of arbitrarily placed and kind of not arbitrarily placed. Uh, we have other holidays throughout this month that speak to people who get pregnant, the state of pregnancy, carrying a child, being nurturing things because it's cancer. And that is very much embedded in the symbolism of the sign of cancer. Um, and all of this oceanic stuff is very much kind of thought of as like the waters out of which all of us were born. And that gets into <laughs> a lot of stuff, but, um, these days that we find in the uh, modern Wheel of the Year calendars are approximated days. So it's perfectly fine to have this here on this day. Um, if we go back to the civilizations that inspired the modern holidays, we'll see that we can actually track, oh, it's this day or it's that day. In our modern calendars, it's like, I don't want to track that stuff. Let's just pick a day and that's the day that it is. So that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. The Feast of Expectant Mothers itself, I think, is pretty straightforward. We don't really need to spend a lot of time with that. Um, but yes, that imagery is very prominent in our astrology in the West. Uh, and it's also very prominent in our Wicca uh, and pagan symbolism that we work with at this time of year. As we move out of spring and into summer, the goddess changes forms from the maiden into the mother in some traditions of, of, uh, paganism. So, you know, I'm sure it's just a coincidence as we like to say here on the podcast, I'm sure that nobody had any idea that there was all of this emphasis on this symbolism at the same time that we are emphasizing all of this stuff politically. Uh, <laughs> uh I can see too much. I see too much. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to July 3rd. If I have to see it, you do too. Okay. All right. Let's move on to July 3rd. July 3rd is a Sunday and our waxing moon enters Virgo. And here's what I want to say about this. We know that Virgo is an earth sign. It is a hard working place in the Zodiac. Um, it wants to get into the details. It wants to refine things. 
but it also wants to make something and and work at something or work towards something. In general, this is a fantastic moon for like learning a new skill or improving a skill that you already have. But let me say this also. We know that there is just a boatload of political work to be done. Um, and times like this can feel extremely frustrating, oppressive, uh, disappointing, saddening, um, frustrating. I probably already said that, <laughs> but, um, times like this can feel, can make us feel really despondent and it can feel like, uh, there's nothing to be done. I don't know what to do. Uh, this is too much. It's overwhelming. And where I want to offer you a remedy in that is within Virgo, uh, because Virgo does not often think about the whole picture. Virgo often is thinking about the little granular elements of a thing. Sometimes Virgo is looking at the big picture, but usually Virgo is way more focused on the details. And like I said, the little granular elements. And so I want to offer this to you. Please, if it is within your capacity to get involved in what is happening in our country politically, fucking do so. Um, but I want you to do it at the level that's realistic for you. Okay. Um, some of us are absolutely built for marching in the streets. Some of us are not. That does not mean that there isn't work for us to do and that that work is not also incredibly important. But, and if you are thinking to yourself, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. How do I save the day? None of that is your job. You are not going to save the day. Stop thinking that you can you are going to be one grain of sand in a Herculean effort of millions of grains of sand that create a shift. You get me? If it helps to all of my white women out there listening to me, and I know there's several of you, us, right? <laughs> uh, if you identify in that way as a white, as a woman, <laughs> hear me now. Um, we have been conditioned with uh, main character syndrome. We have been conditioned to think of ourselves as the people who are going to come in and save the day. And we have been conditioned to think that or to feel that censure or when someone corrects us or shuts us down, that we are being abandoned, that we are being kicked out of the club. When in fact, Somebody might just be trying to get us to act right and continue to do the work. I, I, I challenge you first and foremost to look at yourself in terms of that conditioning and to think about how you need to and will go about dismantling that programming in yourself. That's going to be a lot of stuff similar from person to person and probably a lot of things very different from person to person. But we... And I'm saying me too here, okay? We have been conditioned to think this way and feel this way about this type of stuff. It is antithetical to group work. It's antithetical to group work. The thing that we have been conditioned to be is in opposition to working with the collective. And we want to work with the collective. We have to work with the collective. <laughs> okay. So we have to first and foremost challenge these things in ourselves and dismantle these things in ourselves. 
Let's talk about it. Okay. But, um, but that's part of our work first and foremost. And secondly, give, let me give you this metaphor that I found on the internet. I tried to find, it was on Twitter. This was a tweet that somebody wrote. If I can find it again, I will talk about it in later podcasts. I'm sad that I didn't mark it off. But what they said was, if it helps, think of yourself like this. Think of yourself as an intern, right? There are bosses. There are people that have way more experience than you. You are not probably going to get any accolades, but your work is necessary and important. You need to get in there and you need to be learning the entire time of how to do this the right way or the right ways, right? There's not just one right way to be politically active, but there are lots of ways to not do it correctly. <laughs> and again, we've been conditioned to behave in those ways that are not in alignment with the, the collective. So thinking of yourself as an intern, you're here to learn, you're here to work, you're here to assist other people who have more experience than you. But I also want to say in that context, this, when you get it in your mind, and you probably already have, and you probably will again, I need to save the day. I have to figure this out. What can I do to change this thing? It's not about you, baby. It's not about any individual one of us. It's us collectively that have to do the thing. Okay. And people have been doing this work for a very long time. We do not need to invent the wheel or reinvent the wheel. There is already a group of people in your town right now who have been working on this for years, if not decades. Go find them and help them. Let them tell you what the priorities are in your city, in your county, in your state, because they already know. You don't need to go find that out on your own. You can just ask for that information from those people. You're thinking to yourself, where do I need to put my support? Guaranteed, there is a pro-abortion group near you that desperately needs you to come in and maybe clean a toilet, maybe take out the trash, maybe answer emails, maybe be a part of a phone bank, right? None of that is romantic. None of that is superhero wearing the cape, you know, saluting the sunset imagery, right? Like we want that hero myth thing, right? And that's not what this is about at all. And yet we are going to do something incredibly heroic if we can find our right place in the movement. And again, if you are a person that's thinking to yourself, I don't know where to begin, go fucking ask somebody. <laughs> Guaranteed, there is someone out there that's like, I got a whole list of phone calls for you to make. I've got a whole list of emails for you to send. Is it a little boring? Sure. But does it absolutely need to get done? Yes, it does. And those are the types of things that aren't marching in the street that aren't putting yourself in physical harm's way when it comes to dealing with uh, violent police and the violent police state, right? That stuff has to happen too. Um, maybe. My opinions about marching in the street and, and protesting at that level are changing over time. And I, I want to be very honest about that because I've been a person who has absolutely been in the streets a lot in my lifetime. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about that in this day and age with the intense militarization of police forces around the country. More and more, 
I think some of the most potent things that we can do are, again, staying behind the scenes, making those phone calls, sending those emails, being present for those conversations, learning those skill sets from those people who have been in the trenches on this stuff for decades, right? Uh, you know, poor people who have kids, people of color who have kids, um, they know what's up with, with the abortion industrial complex, right? Uh, and, and the political, um, the, the slippery political, uh, lands landscape that, that we have to function within. Um, we can learn from those people. And this Virgo moon absolutely supports us moving into that place of serving the movement by learning what we need to know to be the most useful cog in that machine. <laughs> um, that is what I encourage you to do with this Virgo moon energy. Also, again, if this is not the work for you, it's not the work for you. But I kind of think it's the work for all of us, in my opinion. Um, side note, general strike. Just going to put that out there. You know, general strike. I don't know, maybe July 4th kind of I don't, a lot of it's maybe i don't it's kind of a day isn't it there's like a big thing going on on that day yeah we're going to talk about it here in just a second because uh, we're on july 3rd so okay that's my leftist rant you know there's always a few there's there's another one um there let's blah blah, blah, blah. i'm gonna move on okay <laughs> for our uh lunar body work with a waxing moon in Virgo, we are adorning, awakening, activating, stimulating, and preparing for action. The large and small intestines, the spleen, which filters, the pancreas, which uh, produces enzymes that break stuff down, and our hormones. Very potent metaphors for working with this stuff that's happening in our world, right? What do we need to filter out? What do we need to break down and get out of ourselves? That stuff. For our plant body work, nothing. As I say every month, when the moon is in Virgo, leave your plants alone. The best thing you could do for your plants is do some research on what would make them healthier. Do you need to dial in their fertilizer? Um, you know, are there uh, issues if you're growing plants outside that you need to be aware of for the weather that's coming up throughout the summer, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Moving on to... Uh, the holy days. There's no astrology of note besides this moon. There's no astrology of note for July 3rd. So we're just going to move on to the holy days. We only have two holy days for July 3rd. Um, one, we have the day of Saradwin and her cauldron number two from our English and Welsh friends and ancestors. We already had day one of this uh, earlier in the season. In fact, I think it was... Um, uh, right towards the very, very end of Beltane, just before summer solstice. Saradwyn is a goddess uh, known for her magical cauldron. Um, she is a liminal goddess that kind of stands with a foot in the physical plane and a foot in the spiritual world. Um, and she is a soothsayer or a um, seeress and um, will, you know, look at the fortunes and the fates of the, of the people that she works with. So... Uh, I wish I could remember which episode it was, man, the brain fog that I have been experiencing lately is like pretty epic. Um, but I did talk about Sarah Dwin a few weeks back. So go look in the descriptions of some of the past podcasts and you'll find it. I hope. Uh, okay. But interestingly enough, also on this day, running from July 3rd to July 24th from our Hindu friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Bonaloo. 
And Bonalu is dedicated to the goddess Mahakali, uh, one of my all-time favorite goddesses in the world. She's amazing. <laughs> um, but in particular, this festival is dedicated to her in thanks for fighting and destroying a plague. And her ceremony centers around a cauldron and a priestess who stands on the cauldron and tells the fortunes of folks who are participating in the ritual. Was <laughs> as, as, as usual, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Like I can't even talk, right? <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> I love it. Uh, but just as a side note, if we were going to call on any particular goddess to help us with the these fights that are in front of us, it sure is tempting to call on Kali, <laughs> the Great Destroyer. Let's move on to July 4th, shall we? Alrighty, July 4th is a Monday. I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. Our waxing moon is still in Virgo, so, you know... <laughs> I think I said what I needed to say about that. Um, although I could say it forever, couldn't I? No, I'm not going to, though. <laughs> We're going to move on. Um, so we do have some astrology on this day. Let's talk about it. First off, we have Mars entering Taurus. Um, now, here's another lecture. <laughs> so sorry, not sorry. Um but when Mars enters Taurus, we can find ourselves in a place where we are equating our ego or our sense of self or our self-worth with our material possessions. So Mars can have us, Mars and Taurus in particular, can have us slipping into that bullshit manifest destiny illusion that we are handed here in America and in capitalism world over. Um, AKA if things are working out in our life, that must mean that we're good people and that we're living correctly. Right? So I challenge you, if this comes up for you to honestly examine your privilege and way more importantly, considering what you can do with your privilege, right? It really does no one any good for us to acknowledge the privilege that we have and then just flog ourselves and like, oh, I'm a terrible person because I got to go to college or whatever. Like, no, no. It means that you have a toe up in a situation where you should be leveraging that privilege on behalf of the group. Okay. Okay. But the other side of this can come through as well. Um, if you are struggling to make ends meet, if money has been really funky for you, if you've had like housing instability, you might be coming through and feeling like, you know, this is a judgment from the universe on like, you don't have your shit together or you're a bad person or you're not meant for good things or, or any of that crap. And it's just as potent from that side too. I would challenge you to A, you know, kick that out of your head as, as hard as you can right? All of us have value inherently, regardless of how much stuff we have, for God's sake. Um, but also, what do you know 
What skills have you acquired? What knowledge have you gained? What character have you had to develop because of the hardships that you've experienced on the physical plane? That's a type of a gift too, right? It's a gift that we might not voluntarily choose, right? We're like, no, I'd, I'd rather have the money and, and the easy life. Thank you. <laughs> like, let's just be real about that, right? But if we are thinking to ourselves, man, I, I had, I grew up really poor, or I grew up in really like screwed up, destabilized situations. What are the skill sets that you have gained through those experiences? And again, can you leverage those uh, skill sets to the benefit of not only yourself, but your community and the movements that you're a part of? Okay. Also on this day, we have Mercury entering Cancer. Um, and so Mercury, that's the center of our thinking and our communication styles and all of that stuff. And all of that begins to center on family, home life, our inner life, um, stuff from the past, nostalgia, memories, and parenting or parents. Um, stuff around parenting might come up during this transit. I don't know. Is there anything happening in the world or our country that has anything to do with parenting right now? Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. But also stuff with your parents may come up and, uh, and, and, and yay for that too. Right. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I was saying earlier in the week. Like, if you want to take those days off during the, the Leo moon days that are just like, I'm just going to watch some stupid movies and not think about things for a while. Have at it, kid. Have at it. Okay. <laughs> also on this day, still in the astrology, we have Mercury in Cancer sextiling Mars in Taurus at zero degrees because they're both walking directly into those signs at the same time, more or less. So first off, this transit, you might just feel busy. You might feel like, oh my God, there's all this stuff I got to get done today. Um, I know, you know, because it is July 4th, <laughs> um, some folks are going to have to work. Lots of folks may not have to work on this day. Um, but it might feel like there's just like all kinds of stuff to do. You know, Mercury is the mind. Mars is our drive and our passion. And so the two of them together in a sextile are like, yeah, let's go. I've got, I've got all the ideas and I'm going to do them right now. But um, that can also manifest as uh, feeling like you need to convince somebody of your point of view, which could get real exciting when you're dealing with family shit on July 4th. So just going to put that there. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to with it. <laughs> um, if you are with a group of people who are on your level, who want to talk, who either see eye to eye with you or are maybe they don't see eye to eye with you, but are totally willing to like hear you out and are respectful of your opinions and your viewpoints, this could be an incredible day to, uh, you know, dive into that teamwork vibe and get some shit done. But if you are with people who are not on your level, if you're with people who do not see eye to eye with you, this is a go solo. This is a day to do work by yourself with yourself for yourself. Um, yeah. Okay. Now let's get into the holy days of July 4th. All right. Running from approximately 
July 4th to July 7th, we have the bean ceremony from our Iroquois friends and ancestors. This is a part of the Three Sisters uh, plant complex that happens throughout spring and into summer for the Iroquois and other Native American groups, where they are planting beans, corn, and squash, who are the three sisters, and they all work together and support each other as they grow. But let me hearken you back to a few weeks ago where we had the bean callens from our Greco-Roman friends and ancestors, uh, and that be rituals centered around beans, planting beans, uh, making food with beans and sacrificing beans were all like really, really important. So we have that here in the Americas as well. From our American friends and ancestors, we have Independence Day. Um, you know, I'm sure if you went to school in America, you've been indoctrinated to know exactly what this day is all about. This is the day that freedom was born. Uh, and an eagle flew overhead with a, um, a rifle and it's, Allens and, and it was glorious. Uh, the sun came up in the shape of a cross. It was amazing. Uh, you all remember that, right? It's in our textbooks now. Um, that's the only thing that's in there. Um, so yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, also in this day, weirdly enough, again, sure, it's got to be just a coincidence. Um, we have the aphelion. What is the aphelion? Well, in our orbit around the sun, we wobble a little bit. At part of our orbit, we are closer to the sun, and part of our orbit, we are further away. The, the sun is not directly in the center of our orbit, nor is our orbit a perfect circle. It's more like an oval or an egg shape. Weird. Um, and so at the we have the aphelion and we have the perihelion. Just after winter solstice, in the beginning of January, we have the perihelion. Um, and then here, just after summer solstice, at the beginning of July, we have the aphelion. What is it? Well, at the aphelion, here, July 4th, Independence Day for America, we are at the point that is the furthest from the sun. The furthest away from the heart and the light and the heat and the source of all vitality in our solar system, we are as far away from it as we can get in our orbit. It's a hell of a symbol, isn't it? <laughs> the metaphor there is just real, real, real loud, <laughs> real loud, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, for me, it, it's, it's, it's obvious. Um, and I think probably also on purpose. Um, we know that the founding quote unquote fathers, parents of this country were well aware of magical symbolism, astrological symbolism, hermetic symbolism, because they were all Freemasons. Uh, and so they certainly would have been aware of things like this too. Um, in maybe even more grand magical designs than, than, than we really can, uh, see on the surface. Yeah. So I'm just going to say that. So there's that. Um, okay. From our Roman friends and ancestors, we have, uh, the festival of Poplifuya. Uh, the exact significance of this festival is lost. Um, but its name may contain clues to its original context as either a commemoration of events in early Roman history, or as a rite of purification. 
Um, now, uh, this is something that's very interesting with the ancient Romans, uh, the Romans and the ancient Romans, I should say, because, you know, the Romans existed for a while. But many of the holidays that Romans followed or practiced or observed towards the end of the Roman Empire, they knew that they absolutely had to do them. They had no idea why. They had no idea what the meaning of the ritual was. They knew that they just had to go through the motions. And isn't that also a metaphor? Okay, so, <laughs> so let's talk about the Papli Fouillet. Uh, the people's flight is what we're saying in this word, Papli Fouillet. Um, the people's flight, but perhaps there is an older meaning. Um, the, uh, the people's flight supposedly had something to do with a military campaign that was happening and everybody had to run away from the city. And then two days later, they were able to come back and defeat their, their foes. Uh, but also there are some folks that have connected with, uh, connected this date with the death of Romulus, one of the founders of Rome. Um, but that date is supposedly, uh, you know, July 5th or July 7th or something like that. And it's, it's not exactly the same thing. So, um, another piece of information around this comes from an ancient historian named Macrobius, uh, who says in his Saturnalia, he refers to the sacrifice of a bull and the reading of its entrails at the Poplifuya. This sacrifice sounds like a lustration, which was, that's it, lustration, L-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N, lustration. And those were ceremonies of purification designed to avert evil. A lustration involved a circumambulation or circular procession of music, dancing, chanting, headed by priests, and the instruments of purification, torches, a.k.a. fire, and animals. And the procession would circle the area in question three times before making the sacrifice, and then the priests would examine the entrails of the animal, and the procession ended. So there's some fortune-telling and fate stuff here, which we've already had some imagery of earlier in the week. Um, but let's think about this for a second. Early July in the Mediterranean was hot, dry uh and cattle fodder would have been scarce and disease would have been a risk so to hold a lustration at this time would make sense as a precaution against the evil of an epidemic so because we don't really know what the actual original meaning of this festival is i think that that last piece speaks to our lives today um so why not just let this festival be a call for you to personally return to your basic pandemic practices? Um, we're not out of this yet. As much as we want to be out of this, we are not out of this, right? We know that there are new variants popping up every day and they're more infectious <laughs> than, than the last ones. Long COVID is not a joke at all. Okay. Um, so, do you need to do a deep cleanse and reset on your house and on your cleaning supplies? Also very in league with our cancer imagery, right? Very in league with our Virgo moon in the background. That's like, I want to tidy up and make things organized. Um, 
do you have hand sanitizer? Hand sanitizer? Do you have masks? Do you have tests? Do you need to re-up on any of that stuff? I know you're tired of it. I'm fucking tired of it too. But also I want us to live through this and I want us to not just survive, but thrive, right? I don't want us to just make it through, but like not get sick. Um, because again, long COVID is not a joke. So do you need to come back to your fundamentals on that stuff? Do you need to re-up on the sani wipes around the house? This isn't speaking from a place of fear. This is spe speaking from a, a place of practicality. Also in that, are there some pandemic practices that you now know haven't been helping you and you can leave it off to the side? We don't need to do that stuff anymore because it's not important. It doesn't help, whatever, right? So it's just kind of a refining, a returning to, a reorientation within the fact that we are still in a pandemic. We're still dealing with, you know, what is it? Jessica Lagnato calls it the worldwide panini, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> that no one wants a bite of <laughs> that thing. Okay. Our moon in Virgo is all about that order and purification and rededication to cleanliness and organization in our world. So again, let these things assist you. Let these energies help you in that work. Perhaps this is also pointing to a great time to re-up your protection spells and to reinforce your energetic boundaries. Um, that stuff. Okay, let's move on to July 5th. Alrighty, July 5th is a Tuesday, and I do believe this is the end of our lunar week. Yes, it is. Okay. So we have our waxing moon strolling into Libra. And uh, next week, we are going to have the waxing half moon in Libra. And it really encourages political action. We're going to talk about it more next week, but I kind of want to set you up for it now. Um, so I'm going to give you two pieces of homework with this waxing moon in Libra. One, I want you to start thinking about as you move through this week, especially under the tutelage of the Virgo moon, thinking about where you're going to apply your efforts, where you're going to hone your skill sets, where you are going to begin to offer your help, right? And then when we get into this waxing moon in Libra, I'm going to encourage you to act on something, right? So in this week, we're, we're figuring it out and then we're going to go do it next week. Okay. An action, a thing. We're going to volunteer with a place. We're going to talk to a group of people. We're going to do something, but we got to do something. But on July 5th, with this waxing moon in Libra, I want you to dance. I want you to move your body. I want you to roll around on the floor um, in whatever ways are safe and healthy for you at your level of mobility. I want you to move. Um, this time that we are in is so stressful. It's so anxiety fueled and um, paranoia ridden and all of that stuff gets trapped in the body. So at the end of this week, I want you to do whatever, again, whatever is safe and healthy for your level of mobility. You know what that is. I don't. Um, I want you to dance. I want you to play. I want you to roll around on the floor, to stretch, go for a walk. Sure. Go for a hike. Sure. But I want, I want to see you incorporate artistic movement into it. It's not just about exercise. It's about expression. 
In fact, the expression part is way more important than the exercise part is, like way more important. That stuff. That's really all I have to say about it. That's your homework <laughs> for this week, but especially on this day, um, you know, with our moon moving into Libra, I want you to think about what are the action? What is the action? Just pick one. Don't overwhelm yourself. What's the action that you're going to actually take next week? Because it really supports political action. But on this day, your homework is to move your body in delicious ways that make you feel good that make you feel like you are able to express yourself through your body in a way that maybe you can't express yourself through your words um, or whatever. Okay. Okay. When we are hanging out with this waxing moon in Libra for our lunar body work, we are activating, awakening, adorning, stimulating, and preparing for action. The hips, the kidneys, which uh, provide even more filtration as well as sending the good stuff back and our bladder. Again, we can always work with the metaphor if working with the physical interpretation is not right for us. And so as we've been doing that work of calling ourselves out on our shit, right? We're also doing work this week of understanding what, what good we have, whether that is good that comes from our privilege that is something that can be leveraged or that good is coming something that has come from our hardship and the things that we've had to learn on how to maintain in hard times. Um, this is a week of letting go of the bullshit and embracing the power that we have, embracing the skill sets that we do have. Being a badass requires both and we're all badasses. So this is work that we are doing. Okay. For our plant body work, just like when the moon is in Virgo, Aesthetics only. We are not messing with the plants. If you want to wipe down your pots, if you want to wipe down your leaves, that's fine. But we're not doing any pruning. We're not planting or transplanting right now. Uh, we're not doing any. Well, we could do harvesting, sure, but um, but do, sprucing up, sprucing up the plants on this day is very, very appropriate. Making it cute. What do the plants want? Do they need to be spun a quarter of a turn for more even growth? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, we have no astrology of note for this day. So let us dive directly into oh, these holy days. Let me tell you what. I, 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 <laughs> the holy days of July 5th. From our Roman friends and ancestors running from July 6th to 13th, we have the Ludia Polinaires. Uh, the Ludi Apollinaires were solemn games. The word Ludi means game. Um, held annually by the ancient Romans in honor of the god Apollo. Okay, we've already had some emphasis on the god Apollo. Here's more. Um, Apollo, of course, the sun god here at summer solstice. Yes, kind of, it, it all lines up. It all lines up. Okay. The tradition goes that at the first celebration of this festival... The Romans were suddenly invaded by an enemy, and they were obliged to take up their arms. A cloud of darts and arrows fell upon their enemies, and the Romans soon returned victorious to their sports. Because <laughs> that's what it's always about. Um, so 
what does this mean? These games started at the height of the Second Punic War when Hannibal was invading northern Italy. So what did the Roman government do? They threw the Ludi Apollinaires. They were literally used to allay the public's fears and distract them from the war. <clears throat> that sounds vaguely familiar, you know. Well, like, how's the how's the January sixth uh, TV show going? Right, that whole thing. There's always some bullshit games to distract us from the real things that are happening in the world. Uh, dramas called pretexte were enacted, and these were plays that Romans wrote where they retold Greek myths, but the gods were replaced with historical political figures from Rome's past and present. <laughs> it's like too close. It's too close. The name refers to the toga pretexta, which was the purple striped toga that was the official dress of Roman magistrates, politicians, and priests. It was mainly a Roman garment. So there we have that. Okay. Also on this day, from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Dies Natalis of the Temple of Fortuna Mulabris. Um and I'm going to read directly from a really cool website called the Obscure Goddess Online Dictionary. Go check it out. It is really cool and has a lot of fantastic information. So I'm reading more or less directly from that. Little, a little editing, but more or less. Fortuna Mulabris, a.k.a. womanly or female fortune, is an aspect of the Roman goddess of luck and fate who cared for the well-being and luck of women, especially married women, but really especially, especially pregnant women. It is likely that Fortuna was a goddess of women and childbirth from earliest times. Her oldest cult center at Prenesta was dedicated to Fortuna Primagenia, a.k.a. the firstborn fortune, whose epithet not only referenced her ancient nature, but her connection with childbirth and children. And the sight of her oracle in a small cave connects her to the mother goddess of the earth. So, though her epithet of Mulabris may not be her oldest one, the idea of Fortuna as concerned with the fate of women is very ancient. <clears throat> childbirth is not the safest thing to experience, even nowadays, yes, check out the uh, mortality rates for pregnant women in America compared to the rest of the world. Fortuna may have been invoked to preserve the health of the mother and the newborn baby and bring a quick, easy, and relatively painless delivery. Like most depictions of Fortuna, Fortuna Mulabris was shown with a rudder, like from a ship, uh, and a cornucopia, symbolizing fate who guides and the abundance chance may bring. She is usually seated, which represents a wish for the stability of good fortune. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of this stuff already this week. So, of course, we have a holiday that, you know, dials it all in, right, into one big thing. Childbirth, fate, fortune, the ocean. Uh, <laughs> um 
and the stability that luck and privilege can bring to our circumstance. All of that stuff. That's what's up this week. Okay. And if all of that wasn't spicy enough, <laughs> we also have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Sirius. Um, when it comes to the stars and magic, uh, Sirius is probably probably one of the most notorious fixed stars that you will see mentioned uh, in writings and websites and, and, you know, information sources out there. Let me say this, uh, you know, you get four or five pages of search under your belt on this fixed star and you better put on an aluminum hat because it gets real weird, real fast and people will connect any damn thing to this star. Uh, that said, it was really, really important for ancient Egyptians. So let's talk about it. Uh, the star Sirius is found in the neck of Canis Major. Here's our dog imagery <laughs> that we have it already. You know, we've already had a bunch of it, but we're going to have more. Um, Sirius is one of the 15 Behenian fixed stars. We don't have time to talk about the Behenian fixed stars, but you can go look them up and see why that why they're a big deal. Uh, the naming of the fixed star Sirius, the dog star, derives from the Greek Sirios, which means sparkling or scorching. According to Greek mythology, Sirius was the dog of the hunter Orion, and the ancient Romans placed the star in the constellation Canis Major, Latin for the greater dog. Now, if you remember Ogun that we talked about earlier in the week, dog like dogs being very important to that deity and that deity is described as having a dog like attitude in egypt this star was called sothis after the egyptian goddess sopdet or sopadet which means triangle or sharp one she was depicted with a five-pointed star on her head and in greco-roman egypt sopadet was conflated with the dog-headed Anubis. Sopadet is the consort of Sa, the personified constellation of Orion near Sirius. So here we have Orion and a dog hanging out again and again. Um, their child, the child of Sopadet or Sopdet and Sa, uh, is Venus um, and was the hawk god Sopdu or Lord of the East as the bringer of the new year and the Nile flood, she was associated with Osiris from an early date and by the Ptolemaic period, Saw and Sopdet almost solely appeared in forms conflated with Osiris and Isis. And in that way, it's kind of unfortunate that we may have lost some really cool and important information and details around this goddess because she literally was just subsumed into Isis. Um, so, during the Old Kingdom, she was an important goddess of the annual flood and a psychopomp guiding deceased pharaohs through the Egyptian underworld. During the Middle Kingdom, she was primarily a mother and a nurse, and by the Ptolemaic period, she was, again, almost entirely subsumed into Isis. The ancient Egyptian calendar was based on lunar cycles of around 30 days and on the heliacal rising of the fixed star Sirius. So Sirius would sort of kick off the new year for ancient Egyptians. Sirius, and our English sir is derived from this word, was by the ancients uh, always associated with great heat 
and the hottest part of the year we still call the dog days. Though through the variation as observed in different latitudes and the procession of the equinoxes, its rising has long ceased to have any relation with those days. Virgil said that Sirius with pestilential heat infects the sky. Homer spoke of it as a star whose burning breath taints the red air with fevers, plagues, and death. It is not, however, of its heat that its name speaks, but of the fact that it is the brightest of all the stars, as he of whom it witnesses is the prince of princes, the prince of the kings of earth. So, here we have at the end of all of this stuff, this heliacal rising marking a new year, right? So we have three different new years kicking off this week. Um, but we also have this uh, really amazing imagery of dog and warrior hanging out. Um, and uh, and I, I'm very intrigued um, about the information, her being referred to as the triangle of the sharp one, I think is interesting. Being depicted with a five-pointed star on her head, I think is very interesting. Um, and then, you know, that little piece of information that she was an important goddess in the annual flood, cool, but also as a psychopomp guiding deceased pharaohs through the Egyptian underworld. That thing really intrigues me. I don't really know what to do with it, but I think it's cool. <sighs> I wanted to end on a slightly nicer note, given everything else that we talked about this week. Blech. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. So let's get into the roundup very quickly because I think this podcast is like three and a half hours long at this point. <laughs> I'm back on my shit, people. Let's go. <laughs> okay. For our lunar phases this week, we are moving from Cancer to Libra. These are both cardinal signs. So these signs are here to help us open up and initiate and begin summer right? Cardinal signs help us start stuff. So here they are to help us start our summer pattern. Um, our astrology this week, we have on Tuesday, the 28th, our new moon in cancer. We also have, uh, what am I looking at? Here we go. Um, Venus in Gemini sextile Jupiter and Aries at seven degrees on the 30th, the moon moves into Leo. On July 1st, we have Mars and Aries, square Pluto, retrograde in Capricorn at 27 degrees. On uh, July 2nd, we have our waxing crescent in Leo at 26 degrees. We have Mercury in Gemini, trine Saturn retrograde in Aquarius at 24 degrees, and Mercury in Gemini, square Neptune retrograde in Pisces at 25 degrees. On the third, we have the moon moving into Virgo. And on the fourth, we have Mars entering Taurus. We have Mercury entering Cancer. We have Mercury in Cancer, sextile Mars and Taurus at zero degrees. And on the fifth, we have the moon moving into Libra. Let me remind you, take it easy. Yes, we have a shitload of work to do, and we are not going to get it all done in one day. We're not going to get it all done in one lifetime. So pace yourself. Um, call yourself out on your shit. And call yourself out on the tools and the skills that you actually have to bring to the table. 
but also call yourself out on those places where you're trying to be a savior, trying to be a hero, trying to fix the whole thing in one go. That's not the way it's going to work. Um, I encourage you to re-up your protection magics on your body, on yourself, on your people, on your home, on your pets, and re-up your health regimen stuff. We're still in the midst of it and we all want to live through this and you know, <laughs> that shit ain't cool. Um, so if you need to stock up on masks, hand sanitizer, wipes, tests, get it done, take care of it. And I want to encourage you to laugh. I want you to consider the power of comedy and humor and jokes and pranks as a way of speaking truth to power. And I want you to move and I want you to dance and I want you to release some of that energy, some of that tension, some of that anxiety, the fear, the frustration, the anger, whatever it is for you. I want you to release that through body movement this week. Again, in whatever ways are safe and healthy for you and your mobility, um, I really encourage you to express yourself through body movement as a means of bringing beauty into the world and into your space. Why not? Right? Why not? I love you, heathens. Take care of yourself out there. Pick your battles wisely. And as I also said, if something feels off, if something feels funky, grab your people and walk away. Step out of the line of danger. Let us live to fight another day. Martyrs don't get anything done. Blessed be.